Let us begin our Good Shepherd sermon with prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Shepherd of the Church, in the waters of baptism you have given us new life, and at your table you nourish us with the food of salvation. Lead us along safe paths through the darkness of this world. Dispel the terrors of death and bring us at last to your house, where you dwell with the Father and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we live in cattle country. But the way we manage our cattle in Wyoming is not the picture of this psalm. We get behind our cattle, yeah, and we force them to go where we want them. When it's time to vaccinate or, or work with them, we put them through a chute, and if they don't want to go through that cattle chute, we have cattle prods. You give them a nice app and force them to go. I've worked with cattle using fiberglass rods where you can kind of slap a stubborn one and make it go, or, or if it's wanting to go in a different direction, you hold them in your hands, and, and it's kind of funny, they're a dumb beast, but it makes you look, even though they're just rods, make you look twice as big, and, and, and unless they're really stubborn, then they'll go the other way. That is not the picture here of our shepherd at all, but that is the picture of God's law. God's law forces us along. Sad that so many people think that's the picture that's going on. It is not. Today, as we look at uh, shepherding in Palestine and at Psalm 23, we see that Jesus is your good shepherd. Now, our text begins, it says it right out. The Lord is my shepherd. The name used for the Lord here is the name that God uses to reveal himself as absolutely faithful. The one who stands by his promises. As Jesus said, he lays down his life for his sheep only to take it up again. As I said in the children's little sermonette there, he gave his life to purchase and win you. Why is he your shepherd? Because he owns you. And it's good to be owned by the Lord because he is a good shepherd. So the psalmist says, it's hard to translate into English, I continually do not have a need. We could almost state it as a question. Since the Lord is my shepherd, what else do I need? You see, the one who died and took up his life for you rules over all creation for you. No matter what happens in this life, he sees to it that you have your bodily needs taken care of right up until the time that he's ready to give you the heaven that he has purchased and won for you. He has purchased and won you so that your sins are forgiven. With Jesus ruling over all time and history for you, for your benefit, yes, even the hard times he's using for your good, what other need do you have? Your bases are covered, as we say. He says in verse 2, He keeps on bringing about my lying down in pastures of fresh grass. 
Now, yes, the sheep can eat this grass, but the big picture here is he works through the things he's established. He rules over creation to give you a resting place. Fresh grass. Come back here and usually around August and the grass around is, is dry, it's brown. You don't want to lay down in it, it'll poke into you. Fresh grass makes a nice comforting bed for you, his little lamb. He gives you rest. He reiterates that in a different way in the psalm. He says, he keeps on carefully leading me upon waters for a resting place. Sheep won't drink from white waters, waters that are rapid. But it's not just giving them a refreshing drink. It's a calm place where you can rest. Sometimes people buy those little fountains and stuff to put on their desk to give them a calming environment for when they work. Ironically, a sheep won't eat until it's been watered. So he gives us a place to rest that has that calm water. The point here that's being made, God made a commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And here he's not going, yeah, you'd better rest. You'd better rest your body and rest in my soul or I will beat you with this rod. No, the picture here is he gives this to you. He puts you there. Clothes over your back. Gives you a job, allows you the time because he built our body to rest. Set the example by resting himself on the seventh day. Quit creating so he could rest, even though God doesn't need to rest. But the big rest that he gives you is his voice, his word, where he tells a troubled mind, I have forgiven you. The gates of hell, the turbulent waters, they're not for you. You're not going there. Where he tells you, I have removed your sin. You are at peace with the Father who rules over all creation for you. Where when the life's hard times does come upon you, he gives you rest. He says, it's okay, my dear little lamb. I would not have allowed this to come upon you if I did not have in mind to use this for your good. We have rest in the turbulent waters of this life. We have rest as we look at eternity. And he says in verse 3, he keeps on bringing back my very existence. If I am right, David wrote this before he fell into his sin with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah to cover it up. But afterwards he had fallen into unbelief. He had quit trusting in the Lord as he tried to cover up his sin. God sent Nathan to tell him that story about the little lamb that gets killed. And he says, you, you're the man who did that. And, and, and yes, that was God's law exposing his sin. That was God disciplining him. But then David says, I have sinned. And Nathan says, your sins have been forgiven. David himself, before all of this, already knew something. Have you seen that picture of Jesus carrying the sheep on his shoulders? Have you heard the hymn, sheep that from the fold did stray? See, this is our natural condition as sinners. We're, we're, dumb, we're dumb beasts. We don't realize how straying from the flock is jeopardizing our security. And so our loving shepherd time and time again goes after us with his word and brings us back. That's a comfort for me because I say, what happens if I do like David did? He didn't see that sin coming. What if I fall away? Maybe a different sin. It's so wonderful to say, I am Jesus' little lamb. My shepherd is going to keep on bringing back my very existence, my physical need, my spiritual need for him. He's going to keep on bringing me back. And then he says, on trails of righteousness, he keeps on leading me for his name's sake. 
In English, we call them game trails or cattle trails. In, in Hebrew, they would say trails of cattle. Wait, trails of righteousness? The cattle make the trail as they're being driven, right? Well, righteousness has made the trail. And he leads you on that. You and I want to stray from the flock constantly. That's our sinful nature. The new person in us rejoices in being Jesus' little lamb. Jesus is righteous for you in your place. That's why he took on human flesh. He suffered on the cross to remove, wash away your sins, your unrighteousness, and daily he gives you his blood. Then, that law that used to go, yeah! That law means something else to us. Now, it still shows us our sin, but the law tells us, how do I thank my shepherd and show love back to such a loving shepherd? The law then becomes a guide, our ten thank yous. On paths of righteousness, it's his righteousness, and it says for his name's sake, because... We would rather be the wolves if left to ourselves. We don't deserve it, but Christ, because he is our good shepherd, purchased and won us, put us on that trail. And it's not eventually if we do the right things, we go to heaven. It's in this life, you're on the trail, our shepherd keeps bringing you back to it, and it culminates in that eternal paradise he purchased and won for you. The Lord is your good shepherd. He gives you rest, physical and spiritual, throughout this life and for all eternity, as we'll see later. Suddenly David changes. He's been telling you what the good shepherd does for you. Now he tells the good shepherd what he does for you. He says, even when I'm walking through a valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil because you are accompanying me. Your rod and your staff, they on their part put me in a state of comfort. You're used to hearing the Jacobian translation of this from the King James Version, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's why this psalm is so popular in funerals. And it's a good application of this psalm. It belongs there. It seems the Hebrew is actually saying any deep valley, any dark valley. See, David would get this. David was a shepherd before he was king in Palestine. There were deep ravines. And the shepherd would walk through the ravine first. He had his rod and his staff. If he needed to thump a wild animal, he would. If there was a hole where one of his sheep would break its leg in that darkness, he would fill that in. And once he was through, beautiful picture, he's through the ravine, he shouts out, Come, come, my beloved sheep. And they knew his voice and they would come through. Or another way they learned is they would take that staff and they could thump it the right way, maybe three times or something on a rock. And the sheep would have been trained to know that and they would come through. Hard times do come upon us. And sometimes God uses them, disciplining us, because he doesn't want us to remain in a sin. So he uses those hard times so that we do learn to struggle against that sin. Sometimes he uses those hardships to remind us that he is our loving Lord. But he's using them for our good. And when we walk through any, any deep, dark valley in life, God has already put us in a state of comfort. Whether our finances, our, our, our savings accounts are wiped out because the stock market goes, or we're told we have a, a health issue that may be very scary, well, things that go on in life constantly, we say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I hear your voice, O Lord. See, he gives you comfort. Rod and staff, they're pretty much the same thing that's being poetic here. But Jesus uses instruments to put you in the state of comfort. He uses his word to tell you he's your shepherd who purchased and won you. 
It puts you in a state of comfort. He uses that thrillers because he gave the disciples, he says, I give you the keys to, to heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What's he talking about? The forgiveness of sins and exposing a sin so that the person can see their sins need to be forgiven so you can forgive them. His word assures you that he, not you, he has purchased and won you. Then there's baptism. It's another instrument he uses. Many Christians have a hard time believing that God could work through a mere earthly thing. But it's combined, again, with his word. It's an instrument he uses. When you are baptized, he seals his Holy Spirit in your heart. What a comfort. As you look through the hard times of life, God has sealed his Holy Spirit in my heart. He remains my shepherd. I can walk through this dark valley and know he's there. Not this Sunday, next Sunday, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper once again. His word combined with earthly bread. Pretty simple element. His word combined with wine. Let's you taste, lets you get to digest the forgiveness of sins. We call these the means of grace. These are the instruments he uses to not only bring you to comfort, the comfort of being his little lamb, but keeping you in it. And he says that because you are accompanying me. When I walk through the valley, you are accompanying me. With these things, he reminds you, assures you, and makes it happen. The Holy Spirit's in your heart. He's united to you, creating that new person. And when that's there, you're united to Christ and his body, that mystical union. Jesus is the vine, you're the branches. And it unites you with God the Father. That new person in you is to God's glory. It is shining God's glory. The Lord is your shepherd. He gives you rest and he gives you comfort. In verse 5, the psalmist says, You keep on laying out a table before me right in front of my enemies. Cannot help but to see that picture of that green grass in a, in, in like a picnic, you know. He's laying out a blanket and orderly setting out the food, the nourishment that the sheep needs. But right there are the wolves. They're growling. They're drooling. If you and I live, for example, in, in one of the uh, Islamic countries that practices Sharia law today, we would really understand this psalm. Those people believe they got to kill anyone who does not follow these rules. Christians are being persecuted in the world still today. In America, we still feel but not the physical persecution as much. Political correctness is against bullying, and yet it's become the way to bully everybody into what's considered politically correct, even if it is morally wrong. Even in America, while you're being bullied for believing in that old-fashioned book that was written so long ago, and they misquote it, they misunderstand it against you, there the shepherd is feeding you, right with the wolves drooling. They can't devour you, he's there. If he allows them to devour you, it's just because the way he's going to give you heaven. You prosper, you get to eat right in the presence of your enemies because the Lord is there daily with his word feeding you. He says, you have prospered my head with oil. My cup is filled to overflowing. Again, think of that picture in the children's sermon with the guy letting his little lamb drink out of his own cup. The picture here is prosperity. But not the prosperity that shysters who call themselves ministers use. The old, you give 20% and the Lord's going to get you out of that and make you wealthy. God's prosperity. God's prosperity keeps in mind blessing you so that you remain in his flock and remain, that the gates of heaven remain open to you. His prosperity is 
pouring his blood upon you daily so that you have an abundance of the forgiveness of sins. If you starve and ache to hear the shepherd's voice, it's because you're just not opening up the word and listening to it. You do daily devotions. The Bible's right there. It's why you're here this morning. The shepherd is prospering you with the good news that he has purchased and won you and keeps you. And yes, he uses the things of this life to provide for your bodily needs as well. So there's this picture of this prosperity. And because of that, finally, he wraps it up in verse 6. Surely goodness and committed love will keep on pursuing me all the days of my life. They pursue him. I translate the one word committed love. It gets translated as merciful or kindness. It's God who's committed to you and I. Sheep who want to stray. Sheep who go and get caught in the brambles and walk right into the wolves. Yet his committed love is pursuing us all the time. He's purchased and won you and he has every intention of keeping you. His goodness, again, is to give you the things you need in this life. And sometimes what we think is bad is actually what we actually need. And it's God's goodness. He's seen to it that they pursue us. The wolves are pursuing us, but so is God's loving kindness and his blessing us with his goodness, his prosperity. So David wraps up this psalm. He says, and so I will keep on returning to the house of the Lord. Notice the Hebrew literally says for the length of days. David didn't get to build the temple. He got the materials ready and stuff and the plans. It was Solomon who got to build this. He's not talking about the temple. What is the house of the Lord? If we go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter talks about you being priests who are built on the cornerstone that is Christ. You make up the invisible church that is our Lord's temple. He will keep on returning. Remember, David fell from the faith, but God brought him back. In this life, every time you hear the word of the Lord, every time you hear your shepherd's voice, you are returning to that. But you also know that one day God's going to separate your soul from your body and you're going to go to be before his throne. There you'll be in the house of the Lord. You also know that your good shepherd is purchased and when you someday he's going to come back and he's going to raise a new and glorified body for you. And he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. They'll be one and the same and we will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever because he's seen to it that we will return to there too when it's very, very clearly visible for all. And so we see he gives you prosperity. He's going to do this for all eternity. Jesus is the good shepherd. He gives you rest for your body and for your soul in this life. And he's going to give you the eternal rest, which will be comforting for you. So he gives you comfort, puts you in that state. And the way he primarily does that is with his means of grace. And he prospers you. He keeps you well fed both bodily and spiritually. And he's going to continue to do that throughout all eternity. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.